I'm sure one of those children eventually will be up here. So they don't know it yet, but they might have one of them, at least one of them has a gift of, of preaching. I invite you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. You can find that in your Pew Bible on page 948. 948. Our June sermon series is titled A Call to Christian Living. So we're picking up after five weeks of looking at uh, the basics of a Christian worldview in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now we're picking up from Romans uh, 12, verse 3, and all the way to the end of Paul's letter to the church in Rome, what Paul gives is practical application for the daily living of Christ followers. And so the plan is that uh, from this morning all the way through the summer to Labor Day, Lord willing, Pastor Andy and I will have worked with you through the whole rest of Paul's letter to the church. Practical application for Christian living. Now we're moving from those verses we looked at, verses 1 and 2, where, where Paul makes this general appeal to the Christians there in Rome. He makes a, a general appeal. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, uh, meaning in, in view of all that we've covered in those first 11 chapters of my letter to you, in view of God's mercy, give your whole life to God. He's, he's saying that in the context where uh, in Rome and, and in that uh, place of the world, there were temples and there were altars where you could offer a little bit here and a little bit there to appease the gods with a small g, to, to appease a small deity. Paul here says, in view of God's mercy, offer your very selves on the altar as a living sacrifice. All of you, everything you've got, give it to the Lord. Because of the new worldview that you have, live this way. And so what the apostle is doing is he's moving from this general appeal to specific uh, practical applications for Christian living and, and the Christian mindset. And the message is this for the passage this morning. By the gifts of grace, our renewed mind is enabled to discern God's will. And in, and in today's passage, this very specific, practical application of that discernment begins with self-evaluation in fulfilling our new life's purpose. So if you're taking notes uh, this morning, here's the, the main idea of the message, that by, by the gifts of grace, do what you are called to do and use the gifts that God has given to you. That's all here in the passage. Let's listen now to God's word, chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. And Paul writes, By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. 
if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak through me into each of our lives right now. Lord, uh, those among us that say that Nielsville is our church, this is our home, uh, we pray that the gifts that you've given us would be used. I pray, Lord, that we would be unified in Christ, uh, like the family that is described here in the pages of Scripture, like the one body in Christ that we are meant to be. Help us, Lord, to discover our gifts. Help us, Lord, to think with sober judgment, understanding uh, where those gifts come from and how they're to be used. And then, Lord, deploy us. Use us for the good purposes you have in store for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you were here back in January, I taught a Sunday school class on the spiritual gifts. The, the special gifts that God gives to every believer to fulfill the purposes that God has for us. And I said in that class that sometimes God gives big, grand, purposeful gifts. And sometimes seemingly small gifts. But all of them are vital to the mission of the church. Some of the material that we used was from Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church in uh, sunny San Diego. Uh, pastor Rick has this great analogy uh, talking about uh, the, the church is like a house. And there are different members or different things that are inside that house that serve very different purposes. And they're all vital. He says when you walk into a, a large home, there might be a chandelier uh, hanging over the dining room table. And it's a real eye-catching chandelier. Uh, and so when you're having dinner, you're having guests, you really want to show off that, that big flashy uh, lights that you have in your home. But late at night, when you're stumbling to find the bathroom, you don't need a chandelier. You need a little nightlight to guide your way. And so in the same way, there are big grand gifts and then there are seemingly small ones, but all of them are vital. And he uses a, a helpful acronym for identifying our gifts. You can write this down. Uh, the acronym is SHAPE. Finding your spiritual shape, uh, which stands for, the S stands for spiritual gifts. And there are a list of those gifts here in, in the passage we just read in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and elsewhere. So discover your spiritual gifts. H is for heart. What are you passionate about? What gets you up in the morning? That's your heart. Identify that. A stands for abilities. What are you good at? What are you good at? Uh, if, if you're using your spiritual gifts fully, uh, you're going to be doing something that you are passionate about and that you're good at. P is for personality. How has God specifically wired you? What's your personality? What's your, what's your background and in, in how you think and how you view the world and how you function uh, in this world? And then E stands for experience. And remember back in January, that's when we were in Romans chapter 8. And, and we learned there in Romans 8 that it, it teaches that God uses all of our experiences. And that he can use 
positive experiences and even painful experiences for our good and for his glory. So we discovered our spiritual shape. And one of the message that we, messages that was imprinted upon us during that class was this. That God made each of us unique. That there is nobody else like you. God made you with a purpose in mind. And when he made you, he broke the mold. And so every single one of us in this church has God-given spiritual talents, abilities, gifts that are meant to be used. As Christ followers, we're to put them to use. We're to, to unwrap those gifts, if you will, and put them to good use. That's everything that has to say here in our morning's passage. That we ought to do what we're called to do. And it starts in a very practical way with self-evaluation. Look at verse 3. Paul writes, by the grace given to me, he's saying, I, I'm, I'm an apostle, I, I'm also a saved sinner. By the grace that God has given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. In other words, to fulfill your God-given purpose you need to know how you have been uniquely shaped for sure. But first, we all have to start with honest self-evaluation in order to know and accept and appreciate how God has gifted us. Now, Paul is getting to a very helpful, practical application in the life of Christians and in the life of the church. He's saying here that our self-esteem shouldn't be so high and puffed up that we walk around thinking, my gift is better than your gift, and so I'm more important than you. Nor should our self-esteem be so low that we mope around and think, well, my gift doesn't matter. I, I'm one out of, out of 100. It doesn't, my contribution can't count. It doesn't matter. Paul says no. Think about yourself with sober judgment and in self-evaluation. He's saying to the church of Rome, assess yourself realistically. Be level-headed, sober-minded, sensible. That's uh, true for us individually and it's true corporately. To understand ourselves in a level-minded, uh, level sober way. And then he says, every Christian ought to measure themselves according to the faith God has assigned. Now, now, what does that mean? Does that mean that God has dulled out different amounts of faith to us depending on our gift? That, uh, that Ryan, because Ryan has gone to seminary for three years and, and read over 20,000 pages of theology and, and all of that work and, and studied Hebrew and had that big that he has more faith than, than someone who was here this morning to, uh, to set up communion or to start the coffee? Is that what Paul's trying to say here about the measurement of our faith and gifts? I'm going to try this analogy again, Andy. Here we go. Raise your hand if you saw the movie X-Men Days of Future Past. Anybody? Wow. Andy said this, this illustration would not work. No one raised their hand in the first service. I saw three hands go up. Let me tell you a little bit about this great movie from the summer that Cheryl and I went to see. It's about the X-Men. 
and the X-Men are human beings with mutant genes. And these mutant genes give these people special powers. And some of the powers are much cooler than other powers. There's one mutant named Mystique. She can uh, shapeshift and she can speak in different languages. Very cool gift. Another mutant is named Quicksilver. He can run super, super fast. But then there's a mutant named Toad. Uh, toad, Brian. The toad has a giant tongue. That's not very cool. And, and, and so they're, they're each using their gifts, but some of them are much cooler than others. Is that what Paul is saying here? Is he saying, think with sober judgment according to the amount of faith God's given to you. If God's given you a really cool gift, then you should think in one way. And if you don't have a very cool gift uh, in another, no. No. The standard by which all Christians measure our faith is exactly the same. We all measure our faith in the same way, our saving faith in Jesus Christ. And what he's saying here is remember what we all have in common, the gifts that God has given to every believer in the church. And there are at least four. There are at least four God-given gifts of grace that he gives to every born-again believer. Number one, the gift of forgiveness. Every single person here, young and old, big and small, doesn't matter what your ability level is or experience or personality or spiritual shape, all of us in Christ have the gift of forgiveness. Romans 5.15, Jesus Christ brought forgiveness to many through God's bountiful gift. Romans 5.15. Even if there's no heaven, it would be worth it to get this gift of no guilt and no more shame before our maker. The second gift is the gift of eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6, 23. We all are given this gift of eternal life. And it's the gift that keeps on giving because we're reminded no matter what's happening in our life, whatever our condition, God has provided a way. And it is secure in Christ. And number three, every believer has the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking, Pastor Annie and I, quite a bit these past few weeks when we've been talking about going back to the basics, about the gift of the Holy Spirit, to walk in step with the Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit. Every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in us. And then fourth, every believer has special God-given abilities. We're not talking about the ability to wiggle your ears or curl your tongue. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in serving others. So use your gift of grace well. So every Christian has these four gifts in common. So with these in mind, what Paul is saying is the specific gifts fall in line behind all of these other gifts of grace. And so when you employ your gift in service to the church, be humble, be passionate, and be united. That's the message of the passage. Look at verses 4 to 6. Paul uses the analogy of the human body. He also uses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The same point is made that 
just as the body has many members, arms, legs, ears, uh, feet. In the same way, the body of Christ has many members with different functions, but each is vitally important. Last Wednesday, uh, we were tasked with the responsibility of cleaning out the new preschool office. And if you didn't know that we have a new preschool coming to Nielsville, uh, I'll take the blame for that, that we haven't communicated uh, loudly enough to you. And what great news it is that a new Christian preschool is coming to Nielsville. In fact, sign-ups are such that they have a waiting list for all of their classes starting uh, this fall. So they need to start moving in now. And the preschool office that had been designated as an office a decade ago was packed with junk and stuff and things had to be cleared out. So who was going to do that on a Wednesday morning? Who had time to do that? Well, I had time. And Andy and Ryan, as did Ann Carney and Carol, as did John and Tim, college students who were around, they came over. As did Alita, our wonderful uh, uh, cleaning lady who comes every morning, faithfully very early in the morning to clean the entire facility. Now, if I had said, uh, well, everybody, I'm a very important person. I have important work to do in my office, so uh, go ahead and get that work done and, and let me know how it turns out. What, first off, what kind of leader would that be? Secondly, would I be obeying God's word here? In humility, absolutely not. And if we did it grudgingly, if Ryan said, oh, I've, I've got a final tomorrow, I've got more. But passionately, getting it done. And if we all said, well, I'll do this much, but you have to do the rest. No, we were united. That's the way the church is supposed to work. The point is, the Christian life is rooted in the reality that God has given all of us priceless gifts of grace. And our response starts with assessing ourselves realistically. And in light of his grace, God makes us humble and impassioned and united to, to do what he has called us to do. Now look at the list of gifts here. There are seven. This list is not exhaustive. Uh, there are other places I mentioned where you can go to look at gifts uh, of the Spirit. Again, those aren't exhaustive either. But this list has three things in common with the other list. They all agree that the source of gifts is God and his grace. They all agree that the purpose of the gifts is building up the body of Christ and glorifying God. If God has given you a spiritual gift, maybe it's a gift of communication. That wasn't uh, given to me to say, oh, now I'm going to go become a salesman. Uh, because I know how, I have the gift of gab and I'll, no, I'm not a salesman. I've been called in this unique way. And so have you. You've been given gifts to use. And all the lists, lists say that they are given to build up the body of Christ and to glorify God. And all the lists agree that, the, that they emphasize a variety of gifts, that there's a great diversity of the gifts that God gives to his people. But Paul isn't just giving us a list here. He's exhorting every member of the community to use his or her gift diligently, faithfully, full out, to help the church flourish. So if your gift is prophecy, and in our context today, uh, that would be speaking truth from God's word. That would encompass preaching. And so I need to be hearing 
this word and preaching it to myself. I'm to do that with confidence uh, that I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit and not to try to impress you. Like by using great analogies and illustrations about X-Men. Don't do that ever again. If your gift is service, by all means serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's exhortation, do it with gusto. If your gift is contributing to the ministry and mission of the church, be generous. Never do it grudgingly. That can be a, a huge area of spiritual pride if we forget to consider the gifts that God's given us with sober judgment. We might think, I've, I've done my share of service, I'm taking a break. Or we might think, I've done my share of giving, I'm going to take a break. He says, no, think about what God's given to you and respond in humility and passion and unity with your church. And then he says, if your gift is to lead, do it full out. No summers off. This coming weekend, Friday night, the elders and deacons are going to be meeting. And then Saturday morning, the elders are going to have a half-day uh, leadership summit. We're going to look at and review all of the appreciative inquiry responses that you gave about the life of our church. We have work to do. Uh, there's no rest for the weary. We're not taking the summer off because there are things that we have to do as leaders in the church. We're trying to follow the words here in God's scripture. And we have lots of local mission service at Nielsville. Acts of mercy and mercy ministries. Those should be joyfully done. And I've heard examples of a, of a meeting of some friends uh, locally at someone's home doing some great planning and strategizing about mercy ministry. No one should be on the sideline. If you call Nielsville your church, no one should be, none of us should be coming to be fed and going about our business and saying, well, I have a busy week ahead of me. All of us should find a way, find the way, to use our God-given gifts for his good purposes at the church. So I want to leave you with two application points. Number one, God never calls you to do what he has not first equipped you to do. God never calls you to do something that he doesn't first equip you to do it. Now, you may not know that you're equipped. You may come unhinged. I can't believe I'm being asked to do this. That might be exactly where you need to be because that will make you humble and make you go to your knees and say, Father, help me to do this task. But know this, God will never call you to do something he doesn't first equip you to do. And second, God does not compare you with anyone else. God does not compare you with anyone else, but he will compare you with your potential. So don't worry about the gifts or the work of anyone else around you. But if God has given you a gift and you are not unwrapping it and using it, God will judge you against your potential. If you say, well, I'm retired. Uh, I, I've, I've done that long enough. It's time for me to take a break. You need to, with sober judgment, come to the Lord and say, Lord, is, is this you leading me? Or am I just coming to that conclusion on my own? And let's think with sober judgment as we come to the table this morning. I'll leave you with one quick story. Two weeks ago, uh, our Boy Scout... Uh, leadership team met with all the parents and Jen Smith one of the moms who's also a teacher 
She's the Cub Scout volunteer coordinator. Did an amazing presentation. I want to recruit her uh, to be in charge of our volunteer coordination. Uh, in fact, I already offered her a job. I said, the pay is uh, zero, and the hours are long, but we need you. It was an amazing appeal because our Cub Scout pack has very few adult leaders and very small involvement of adults in leadership. So she had this room full of adults, and the first thing she said is, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do anything tonight, so, so be at ease. And so she put, it, put us all at ease. Oh, she's not going to. And then she hammered us. She hammered us. She had this sheet of paper with, with numbers. And she said this sheet of paper represents the age of your son. And then she started ripping the paper. Well, you know, when he's out of the house after age 18, 20, you won't see him again. And, well, now he's already 7 or 8. And the paper got small. And when he's in high school, uh, you will have lost him. And so she got down this little piece of paper. And she said, this is it. If you want to have an influence in your son's future... You have to serve right now in this small window of opportunity. And we're all reeling like, oh, oh, I'm a terrible parent. And then she gave us a sheet of paper. And she said, just, just mark down things that you're interested in. Things that you're good at. Things that you might maybe someday be willing to serve. And so we, of course, we fill it all out. We hand it in. Then Thursday night I get the email Pete, would you be in charge of the Pinewood Derby? Oh, gosh. Oh, she got me. Oh, she got me. Friends, the church should never, ever have to soft sell service. Should never have to try to conjole or, or emotionally manipulate you to use your gifts. Somebody might be thinking, Pete, why are you giving this impassioned message about uh, serving in the church. It's, it's almost summer. Don't you know we're all leaving for the summer? It's like taking the offering before you have a stewardship sermon. Well, that's, that's not our style. That's not what Scripture would have us do to try to manipulate and, and conjole and convince you that this is important. But I want you to think with sober judgment, what are the gifts that God has given to you and how are you making use of them here in this church? Today we're showing our appreciation for our Sunday school teachers. I appreciate you teachers. We appreciate you. We appreciate our ESL teachers. We appreciate uh, our, our elders and our deacons and our trustees. We appreciate those who serve in the jail ministry, to our worship leaders, our choirs, our, our praise team. But there is a question. Why is it so hard to get volunteers? Why is it so difficult to find people that will come and serve in the life of a church of over 400 members. And yet the list is so small. I would just humbly say, you know, there's, there is no sign-up sheet. There's zero. There's going to be cake. I know that. Better than cake, there's going to be communion. But I would ask you, friends, to please consider, am I doing everything, Lord, that you would have me to do to fulfill uh, the discipleship you've called me to as a member of this church. Our church is only as vi vibrant and strong as our members are putting their spiritual gifts to work together. So as we prepare to come to the table, think about your church family. Think about how God has shaped you. And think about how you can make a difference in the life of this church.
1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. And so with our hearts before the Lord, we're invited to come to his table. If you say Jesus is my Lord and Savior, if you believe that he died for your sins, and he is reigning in heaven, and he has a life purpose for you to share this good news, it doesn't matter what denomination or membership, he says come. Come and receive this gift from heaven, but do it soberly. Consider your conscience before the Lord and get right with him before you come forward. So that's the invitation to come. And now I invite you to open your bulletin and see there the, the great Thanksgiving. Let's do this great Thanksgiving with gusto because I get to bless you and you get to bless one another with those bold words. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Lord, it is right to give our thanks and praise. And Lord, uh, we are reminded this morning that the gifts that you've given to us are meant to build up the body, the church, are meant to glorify you, which is our, our chief end. And in doing that, we receive joy. So renew our joy this morning, Lord. Help us to be humble. Help us to be passionate about what you're passionate about. And help us to be united. Help us, Lord, this morning as we come to this table uh, to receive uh, spiritual nourishment that would strengthen our union with Christ and our connection both with Christ and with one another. And so, Lord, we pray this great prayer of thanksgiving. Gracious, Gracious God, God, pour out your, your Holy Spirit, Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and cup, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, and with all who share this feast, united in ministry in every place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. Amen.